Hello, beautiful people. I am Noah Dyson, your host, and I would like to welcome you to the TLC Zone, a mental health podcast that seeks to create a space in which those in the Black community and our supporters can have an honest and vulnerable conversation about experiencing a mental health disorder. During this podcast, I will not only share my story, but also feature guests who are Black and leading full lives with a mental health disorder. I'll also speak with these guests' friends and family members who have supported them on their journey. Lastly, I will interview experts in their respective fields that can talk about the intersection of their expertise and mental health. This podcast touches on a wide range of mental health topics in which people share their raw experiences. Listener discretion is advised, and the information that is provided is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing any mental health symptoms while listening, I encourage you to contact somebody that you trust or a mental health provider in your community. So, without further ado, let's get started. Today, I am introducing my first guest, Mr. Austin Ray. He is my best friend, brother, and philosopher. He possesses more talents than I can count, but to name a few, he is an excellent communicator, a poet, and a mentor. Austin, thank you for joining me, and um, I'm glad you're here. Appreciate you having me, brother. Uh, I like the introduction, and hopefully you know, I can live up to some of that in this podcast. But yeah, good luck with the podcast, too. So, Thank you. Thank you. As some of you may know, this is my first episode of my podcast called the TLZ TLC Zone. <laughs> you don't even know what your own podcast is called. <laughs> <laughs> hey, first one, there's going to be plenty of mistakes, so I uh, hope you uh, lock in and enjoy the ride. TLC standing for? Um, the Love Catalyst. Mm-hmm. So the Love Catalyst was a nonprofit that I started in high school. Um, shout out School Thought Walls. Um, and the Love Catalyst, what we strive to do was um, decrease the stigma around mental health in the black community, as well as connect uh, black high school students to affordable and local mental health resources. Um, I've been away from the game for a while due to my own mental health struggles. Um, we're going to touch on that a bit um, over the course of this episode, but um, I'm happy to be back to be back doing that type of mental health work and uh, advocacy. So, uh, Austin, um, please, please let the people know how you how you know me, how we've met and uh, just a little bit of our, our history. Sure. Um, so, yeah, Noah and I are both from D.C., uh, born and raised um, we both, interestingly enough, played lacrosse growing up, which I don't think is super familiar for, you know, D.C. kids or city kids in general. Um, but yeah, so we started with this program called Winners, where you actually remember meeting me, but I don't yeah. remember meeting you. Uh, very hard to miss. Very hard yeah, to miss. I mean, as the star player, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and when we went to high school, we both played for... Uh, the same high school team. So we actually didn't go to the same high school. My school didn't have a team, and I went to go play on his team, which they allowed. Um, And, yeah, that's where we kind of started our relationship around lacrosse. And I think just from the train ride home uh, and just talking and stuff, that we realized that, you know, we we were some kindred spirits and had a lot, you know, in common. And we I think we just generally appreciated each other's presence and, you know, mindset. So... Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, we uh we didn't live too far. We're in D.C. You know, being city boys, we caught the metro 
everywhere and we walk mostly. Um, so just having those moments to just pick each other's brains, but also just connect on so many levels, whether that be the physical aspect of lacrosse, whether it be the spiritual component of both being Christians at that time um, to, you know, being young black men dating and and trying to romanticize the ladies. Uh, we uh, we we shared a lot and we and we've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I. For those that don't know, and the reason why um, I felt like starting this podcast now is had to happen is because um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2018. And um, over the course of 2018 to now, 2022, um, I've uh, I've met a lot of people, but I've also lost a lot of people who I consider my very close friends. And one of the people who have stood stood by my side and helped me during these these manic and depressive episodes is, is Austin. And so, you know, the, the purpose of this podcast is to shed the light on those who have mental illness, uh, their road to recovery, but also um, allowing those who are the friends, family of those with the mental illness, how they have supported them, but also how the help that they <clears throat> wish that they could have received um, when trying to work with their loved one. Um, who was going through a mental illness or going through a mental health crisis. Uh, so you want to, I mean, I assume that since people are here, they kind of have an idea maybe what uh, to be bipolar is, uh, what that condition is. Um, you want to give a definition of what it is? So, you know, people, ah, oh, these people who attitude just be switching up and no, and what type of bipolar uh, you diagnosed? Thank you. Thank you for, for that, uh, that quick plug into what bipolar is. Um, so bipolar disorder is a severe mood disorder that is marked by two different big mood uh, shifts. And the first one is mania. Um, and the second one is uh, major depression. And so, um, for me, I am bipolar one, which means uh, my highs and my lows are very extreme. And so for the mania aspect of things, um, that means a sense of euphoria, grandiosity, um, risk taking, uh, more sexual promiscuity. Um, what else? Gosh. Uh, oh, spending more money. Um, really, for me, it, it has looked like me thinking that I could solve a problem in my life, a large problem that usually would take a long time to solve and me thinking that I can do it in a matter of weeks or a matter of a week or a couple of days. Um, I think that I am above or more knowledgeable than those around me. So I think that that gives me authority to do and say things that can hurt or offend others. Um, and with the depression component, um, I have very severe um, depression. Um, when I have a depressive episode. So that looks like me self-isolating, me having a lot of suicidal thoughts and ruminating. Um, looks like me not showering, not overeating. Um, when I get depressed, I've, I've gained like 20 pounds in a matter of, of, of two months. Um, so um, it's, it's an interesting illness. Um, but, you know, 
uh, through the love, support of friends and family, but also me practicing um, self-care, taking medication. Um, I'm able to, um, this month will mark my, uh, my last episode was in March or April of last year. So that's uh, a year and plenty of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, yeah. So, so Austin, since you're my guest and I'm interviewing you. Yes, sir. Um, let's just go back a little bit and first come to understand how did you view mental health and how has the, your view of mental health changed throughout the years? Um, I think the conversation for mental health really started you know, becoming, I guess, prevalent in my life, mainly in college. I think that's where I gained most of my awareness. Um, And I think it just allows you literally to be in the mind of other people and understand, you know, what could be happening in the mind of other people, which allows you to be, you know, more empathetic, um, more considerate and just helpful in general, right? Um, Because you are able to kind of take a step back and view somebody else's actions and, you know, not necessarily just excuse them, but just to understand, which helps you to operate differently with them, right? Because if somebody is, um, I don't know, say they're having an outburst on the train, right? Instead of just looking at that person and saying, oh, they're crazy, right? You say, it is because of this that they are acting like this, right? And which allows a little more compassion and maybe offers you an opportunity to um, help and assist somebody. Um, don't know if I answered your question, so you can ask again if I didn't. No, no. Yeah. Um, you definitely touched on it. Uh, I guess my follow-up question would be, um, throughout the course of your life, mm-hmm. before you know meeting me and knowing what I've gone through, mm-hmm. um, have you had any family members or anyone within your community who had showed like some mental health challenges or including your own mental health challenges. Yeah, well, I mean, so I have not uh, been diagnosed with anything. So as far as I know, I don't have any uh, mental health issues. I mean, I think there are uh, things that are just com- common throughout individuals in general, like plenty of people deal with depression, right? I've had depressive spouse before. Uh, I can't say that I've had a manic uh, spot before but who knows um, and I still think there's many other conditions uh, that I'm just not aware of um, but I guess in my life the only one that was common and I think that is yeah spoken about a lot and I guess in the black community maybe just ADHD mm-hmm. right that's one you know a couple of my cousins used to have ADHD medication I think back when they were in middle school right so I guess I've been introduced for a while, right? But it didn't really mean anything to me because my cousins were normal, you know, to me. Um, so to have a kid who, okay, a kid has outbursts and like, that's normal. You know, a kid has a short attention span and wants to do a lot, doesn't want to pay attention to a teacher. That's normal, right? So even them being labeled, in, you know, or having the term ADHD and having medication, like it didn't really seem like anything different to me. Um, so... I think that's probably when I was, uh, you know, first introduced. Um, I think, I mean, there are some other things, I guess, you know, I have grandparents who's passed away and one who, you know, as he got older, I think he started to have like dementia or something like that, right? And so, Mm -hmm. 
being around when you know, he doesn't know who you are really um he has very broad idea that okay you're family right so i'm, I'm okay here like and you know not remembering other family members and things like that i think that was something i, I guess started to do with right before my freshman year of college so you know summer of 2016 i guess so those are the people in my family in my circle outside of you who i could think of you know that i guess were some of my introductions to the awareness of mental health yeah thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. uh and something that you touched on was how there seems to be within the black community that there's behaviors that are labeled as a mental health issue but for us come across as normal Mm. can you speak to like as a black man as a black person like how has what was the connection between being black and mental health that was a very smooth transition I'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) he he was talking to me before we you know we only had a brief conversation before we decided to have this episode Um, but I know he wanted to you know tie it into being black so very very smooth there very smooth (laughs) thank you you first time first time beginner's luck (laughs) I think you know the general conversation around black people and mental health is that we don't talk about it right and that we're not aware of it Um, I don't know if that's truly the case in 2022 um I think the conversation is so broad in, in media um, that it's hard to not have the conversation. Um, and so, you know, and I guess the conversation usually is that black people don't talk enough about mental health and that it's stigmatized in our communities. Um, and if you're somebody who wants to go get help, right, like, one, you might not know where the resources are, but then if you do, people are looking at you strange for desiring to go to those resources like therapy which comes up in our conversation (laughs) quite often um and it's importance or necessity um and yeah i guess resources and just awareness and conversation i think those are, are general topics that you know come up when we're talking about i guess being black and talking about mental health but yeah no and it's funny because, you know, I, I've i been trying to shove therapy down your throat for so long. Yep. But how, like, growing in terms of understanding mental health, um, I'm a psychology major um, at Elon University. And so learning about different mental health, learning about possibly different forms of treatment, um, you start to gain a more comprehensive picture of mm-hmm. of what does help within a particular community slash context looks like. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the longest, I was really gung-ho about therapy. But now recognizing the necessity of a community and of a support system mm-hmm. and how even though, yes, I think it's important to have a professional who has a little bit of training, who could you know, break some some things down and give you uh, great coping skills to deal with those, but also just having a friend that you trust who takes the time out just to listen, to hear you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's something that's that's just as important, just as necessary. Um, Yeah. I think it's funny because we're not about to argue opposite sides, but so, you know, it's definitely usually for therapy and I've been like, well, I don't need it and people don't need it, right? (laughs) 
Um, not to say that it can't be a good help, and I think it can be for many, but I'm usually the one who stresses the importance of a community and how community community can, in a sense, be therapy. But, so yeah, some, I was going to say something that I just thought about because of the, I guess, knowledge that a therapist can have on the many different types of uh, mental issues that are out there, like, I, I think maybe like at our doctor's checkups, right? Like that could be a conversation that is starting, that that could be had during like a checkup. Like, all right, how are you doing? And you sleep and you eat and, you know, whatever other indicators of what might be going on, right? I think we could have a more comprehensive kind of checkup to say, okay, you are dealing with this kind of thing. Maybe it would be good if you went to go see this specialist or if you went to go see this kind of thing. Because we only look at really the, the physical when we go to a, a doctor and have like a checkup or something like that. Like I think that would be a, a helpful resource just to have hey, more available. I'm I'm for it. I'm all for the integration of mental health and all aspects and systems that deals with human beings, which is everything. Mm -hmm. So um I think yeah, what what does it look like to uh well being, you know, holistic health. Mm -hmm. Having that, that brief moment to say Okay, I know I'm just your cardiologist, but <laughs> <laughs> what about what about uh, what about your sleep, brother? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I, I don't know. You know, I have my thoughts on the healthcare system that 100%. we don't have time to to go through today. But mm -hmm. you know, um, if y'all like this and would like to hear me my thoughts on this and a little bit of research I have done, um, feel free to like, comment, and uh, and share your thoughts. Um, but, uh, so talking about different treatments and we're talking about that community component of mental health, uh -huh. um, what, what being a part of my community, how have you seen the benefits of how it has helped me in my recovery? Um, but also if you can think of anyone else that, you know, who, in which community has helped better their mental health. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think, right, The I think awareness is the best way to be able to provide help. Because if, if I can't see an issue, if I don't know about an issue, like how, I, it's harder for me to directly and effectively address it, right? I think we can get lucky sometimes and it's like, oh, I didn't know you were depressed. I was just having a conversation with you. And hmm. in that conversation, I yeah. walked you down off the ledge. But if I was recognizing patterns of depression and, you know, say you need, I, I then was like, oh, you need an outlet to talk to. And I actively chose to talk to you to help, you know, I guess, soothe you in some sense. Like, I think that's important. So I guess in seeing you uh, deal with some things and being around, you've gone through um, some of your, you know, manic episodes. Um, I think those are easier to listen to some pretty extreme yeah. moments. Um, and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think uh, being around during that, like if if I wasn't aware, like I wouldn't have known to to do something or to like the last couple of times me and your brother have talked. Right, he'll call me up like, "Yo, how has Noah been doing? Has he been seeming, you know, a little different than his normal lately?" And I can be like, "Yeah, man, he's been talking about." Being a millionaire again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but don't like, we all want right. to be billionaires? Yeah, like, yeah. like, but when when you think you can do this? No, it's like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'm like, hey, bro, just break me off, so <laughs> you actually make it happen. But until then, you know, yeah, let's let's. Get you want to go on a ride to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> and that, I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty much how it was the last time around. Um, it was. Cause you you have like breakthrough moments, right? Like of clarity, and so you're like, "Hey, bro, like I need you to come over here. Like I I need to go to the hospital, right?" And so, all right, I come over there, I pick you up, and you're you are adamant about not wanting to go to the hospital, right? And I'm like, "Fuck, like what is it? I don't know if I'm supposed to curse on you." Nah, you good, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, man, how now? How, how do I do this? Like, am I supposed to take him to the hospital? Is this just a ride, like as boys or what? And we we. Probably drove around for like two hours that night, mm-hmm. um, and and you know we we went through a lot, and I think finally I was like, hey bro, I think I think you should go to the hospital. And you're like, yeah, everybody's been saying that, man, but <laughs> you know if if you say it, then I trust you, <laughs> and I'll go. And uh, you know I think that that led to I guess the recovery during that particular mm-hmm. incident. So mm-hmm. community, community. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I do want to pinpoint a couple of those things mm-hmm. uh, that you just mentioned when describing that. It's the first thing was awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness by being able to recognize when someone is going through a mental health challenge. Not only does that does that help you be a better friend, a better mother, a better father, a better brother. It also allows you to recognize the boundaries in which you can actually help them. True. So you can say, okay, hey, okay, he's not eating, he's not sleeping. Um, do I have the capability of making sure he eats, right. making sure he sleeps? No, I don't. So mm-hmm. let me call his friend who who may not, who may have a, a little bit more free time, or his brother who may have a little bit more free time, and they can be with them a little longer than I can. Mm-hmm. Right. So a part of that community and a part of that awareness is really. Being able to identify when a challenge is happening, then two, um, being aware of the potential sources, the potential resources that are around you within your community. Right. Um, the second thing you talked about it's it's um, when going through a crisis, the individual like me, when I'm manic, I I think that I make complete sense. Right. I think that um, every word of mine is a is a word from God, you know? 100%. <laughs> so, man is a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> so like you're you're trying to you're trying to decipher and decide in your moments like how much weight should I give to to my words and Noah's words. Right. And so um I think that what people should take away from that is is and I think something that I've had to share with my mother and my brother when dealing with me during that moment is that and I think the reason that you're so effective with me during those times is because you don't shut me down right you don't just say oh you're talking crazy I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do despite everything you're saying mm-hmm. you know you allow there to be me to just wear myself out in a way or yeah. or um or let me get out everything I have to say no matter if it's 15 minutes or if it's two hours mm-hmm. and you're like hey all right 
yeah, you know, I've, I've listened to you, I've heard you, but um, I, yeah, I still think you should go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think when you're when you're with someone who's having a mental health crisis, especially if it's mania, I think a defense of those who love you is want to be like, okay, we you you can't trust yourself, you can't be by yourself, and we're gonna help you help you right now but what that help looks like can sometimes be very controlling Mm -hmm. which can make me at least has made me push back very heavily against people who I feel like is trying to control me in that Mm -hmm. moment Um, and the third point was um, what was the third point was it the hospital maybe the hospital um yeah uh you know I think Oh, I know. For me, when I become manic, um, I don't think I the the regular world is a safe place for me. I don't think I'm safe for it, and I don't think the world is safe for me. Mm-hmm. So the best place to go is 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 find a he- a heaven, no a haven. There we go, a haven, a haven in which I can do me. I can say wild stuff. I can do wild stuff. And I know at the end of the day that I won't be as severely punished for doing so. And for me, that oftentimes looks like a hospital. But keep in mind, I said not as severely punished. Because in another episode, I will talk about how in the mental health care system, especially if you're a black man or a black woman, you will not receive the same level of treatment as others. And so you will be punished what that punishment looks like may be different, but compared to ending up dead or in jail versus maybe being confined to your room for doing mm-hmm. something, very different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Um, sorry, this, I went on a little rant here. That's um, But Austin, can you share with people maybe one or two stories in which me, full-blown mania... And and um, not only what you did, but what you wish you had known before that occurred. Hmm. Uh, and it's okay. You can be honest. It's, you yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's all after the last episode or manic episode. Uh, your brother and I had you know talked a little bit more, um, and. So like I said, it's kind of recognizing those early signs, right? And so I think there have been moments um, where I might be like, but this man's energy is on 10 right now. Like, bro, and it's for you <laughs> on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, not because he was going out. It's just because he doesn't sleep when he's manning, right? And... And so I, I guess putting those facts together might lead to earlier help, right? Because I think there was, so after you came out the hospital at one time, a couple months later, so I think in February or something of this year, mm-hmm. right? Like, it seemed like you were on the verge of having a manic episode, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, me, another mutual friend of ours, Zara, uh, your brother, your mom and some other people, I guess, kind of rallied around you a little bit more and put a little bit more energy into making sure we, I guess, stayed connected and uh, communicated with you and make sure, I guess, we supported you in certain ways that we could. Um, you didn't need to be hospitalized again, right? Like, you 
you you handled the situation by yourself. And I, I think it's a lot of life factors, right? So definitely when you kind of start to become overwhelmed and stressed out, like kind of pushes you to that uh, edge when you're not sleeping a lot, right? And all these things are different factors that came into, like you having manic episodes in the past. I mean, I think that kind of as a team, I mean, yourself included, right? Because you took preventative actions to make sure that you weren't in that space again. Um, led to you not having to be hospitalized again. And I think if you could ever, you know, handle your business and not have to be hospitalized, like that's a win, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, you've had major setbacks by having to go into the, into you know, a healthcare system, right? And yeah. so, yeah. I, I, so I think, so one, definitely being able to make sure, you know, that we see those early signs and, you know, rally with you as much as we can to make sure that, you know, we don't have to go to extreme measures to, you know, help you maintain your safety. Like, just to be able to do some preventative things on the front end. Uh, two. <laughs> two. <laughs> that the, the thoughts come back to me. It was, the question is, what... Could, what do I recognize? What were some stories? Some stories. Uh, one or two stories, but also, what did you do during those moments? But okay. also, what would you have rather known uh, beforehand, or would you wish you would have done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that last one was, I guess, what I wish I would have known, and I guess what I wish I would have done in other situations was, to, I guess, increase some communication to hang out with you a little bit more, you know, go on those rides and talks and stuff so that you could, I guess, get your feelings out, express yourself and, you know, take some of that stress and uh, weight off your shoulders. Um, what do I wish I was aware of? And that can be, like, resources that can be, you know, if you wish you had known more stuff about what bipolar was um, or stuff that you wish you would have known about me, like, because mm-hmm. I say oftentimes that when you're in the place of mania, you're not responding from a reasonable place. You're responding from a place of trauma. Okay. And so, like, is there... And oh, that's, that's a good one, actually, because I think some of your triggers can be your family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, for me to play a middleman between you and your family, who, in my mind, you know, I'm viewing as your, I guess, primary people for care and support, right? To, to For me to be going back and forth between them and you and for you to in some instances to feel like they're your enemy right like i'm towing the line between mm-hmm. like i'm i might be breaking his trust by attempting to talk to them to to rectify the situation and so i guess knowing some of those triggers right um could help because in some of our conversations we never got like too heated back and forth because like, I can tell that you weren't in a stable place, right? So I would let you have it instead of just trying to argue you to death about an issue. You know, I yeah. can be argumentative, but I'm like, mm-hmm. this, what, you know, what hill do I want to die on, yeah. right? And this, this, is, this is not the one. This is not the one. I don't want to be driving around in this car, 4 a.m. on a Sunday, no one fighting me from the passenger seat. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, bro, I'm getting out. And just hops out mid-traffic. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's, <laughs> you know, I, so I'll let you win those arguments because um, I knew you know what the real goal was. Um, but yeah, so I think knowing some of your triggers and like your family trauma uh, would have helped me manage those situations a little better. Um, in, in terms of, I guess, awareness um, or you know, knowledge on bipolar, or whatever. I don't think 
that was necessarily necessary <laughs> for me to have in those moments. Um, knowledge of bipolar. Okay, knowledge. Would you? I think resources might have been the big ones, right? And definitely knowledge of bipolar. Because, like I said, if I if I know that this is this thing, then I could figure out how to effectively handle and manage mm-hmm. this thing, right? So that, I'm not saying that the knowledge and awareness is not important, but I'm saying overall, like, I didn't need to say, oh, this is bipolar to know that something was off. You know what I'm saying? So me being like, oh, this, 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 and this is what it looks like. And so I, what do I do now? Like, I don't think that was necessary for me to have because just knowing you, like, I can tell that something was off and so that some extra help and care was needed, right? Um, but, yes, yeah, so... Yeah, to be like, oh, somebody who's bipolar usually has talks of uh, grandiose. Like, I, I didn't need that um, finite of information to, you know, not finite, but particular information to, you know, understand, like, something is off of my friend and, you know, we need to figure out how to handle this and manage and get some help. Um, some other things that I wish I was aware of. So, yeah, some of your triggers. Um what other stories do I have? <clears throat> uh, were you how 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 much were you there for when I uh, when I got arrested? Were you were you in school? I don't. You I touched you on arrested twice, but there's only one time. Yeah, only one time in DC. He's <laughs> <laughs> a mental health criminal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, you know, um, I'm I'm gonna keep it the bean. I'm gonna keep it the bean, and the reason why I say that it's important that people understand that um, when you're in, at least for me, and my this is a firm belief of mine, is that when you're in a manic episode. You're not you're responding from a place of trauma, and for some folks like myself, um, my traumatic past is filled with a little bit of violence. And so, when I feel like I'm being threatened, or when I feel like I'm being controlled, I can get aggressive. Um, I can threaten you. I can. Um, I usually threaten. I don't think I've ever like I haven't ever followed through. On like what I've threatened to do to somebody, because at the end of the day, in the back of my mind, as some of you know and can attach this, I love people. I mm-hmm. love, and and I it's hard. It would be hard for me to live with myself to hurt another human being, um, and so I don't know where I forgot where. Yeah, I, was going I mean, well, I, I think one of the stories that we could talk about is you getting arrested. So I do want to talk about that, but similar to what to, on, on, touching on the topic that you just said. Like, I think oh, your yeah, rationing yeah. mind or, like, who you are at your core still exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just at an extreme. And so, I think, you know, we have, I guess, some deeper desires despite, like, what we want to do in a situation. Like, come on. Like, just something that I feel like most might be able to relate to. <laughs> but, like, say your parents are getting, you know, you riled up. You're saying, like, oh, I'm out. I want to smack my mom or something, right? Like... Deep is your heart. You don't want to smack your mother. <laughs> mother? <laughs> I would never. <laughs> never had that thought. But not like, even though that thought might cross your mind, right? Because of the heated situation you're in, like, deep inside, you know, like, I don't want to smack my mom, or I'm not foolish enough to smack my mom. So I think that's what you're kind of talking like. You're, there's some, you still exist within, mm-hmm. you know, just 
even though the situation is wild and you are at a heightened state. And I have to say that the majority of people, and you can look this up yourself, the majority of people, and it's a high percentage who have a mental illness, are not violent, not aggressive. The media has lied to us multiple times over and over again. Mm -hmm. Those with a mental illness are often, most often, very often, not violent, not aggressive, not threatening. Um, I, because it's me, love to be the exception. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, you, you haven't done too much. But to, to the story, I, I think I was in college. Um, and it's, it's, it's comical, but not. Because, so to bring the not comical part into it, I, I believe where you were was, it was like a memorial site. <laughs> It's a memorial site. It was like a year or two before. This is very unfortunate. Like one of the metro trains in DC like crashed and it like got derailed. It was, it was ten years ago. It was, it 10, was that long? It was ago? ten years ago. And they were just doing a memorial. It, it was a decade. Oh, a decade. So you know. Okay. <laughs> it was a decade ago. And so you know, you know, decades, you know, are really celebratory, not celebratory. But, you know, there are times in which you really reflect. And, guys, we're, we, it was a tragedy. You have to say it was a tragedy. And at that moment, in the state of me being in mania, I thought that I was a prophet. And I thought that God had wanted me to speak to this crowd at the memorial service to uplift their, their, um, uplift their spirits mm -hmm. and... Uh, give them a word of encouragement. Mm -hmm. um, but who was talking? Wasn't the mayor there or something like that? The mayor that? of D.C. Yeah, so you know there. there's some type of security detail with her. So go ahead, tell your story. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, a part of, so, you know, I, I was driving around um, and I had not planned to go to this memorial service. I just saw while I was driving home. And I was like, I got out the car, talked to some of the police officers there, was very, very polite, got a couple of their names, was like, hey, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Or they told me about the memorial service. I was like, wow, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. I'm, I'm meant to be here. So I went home, came back later. And, you know, at first, you know, I was with a friend who was driving with me and and I was just, you know, towards the back, just listening. Then, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, you got to speak. You got to speak. You got to speak. And so um, I started making my way closer and closer to the stage. And there was one moment in which uh, one of the children of the people who, who passed away during the um, train accident, the son had made a mixtape um, in honor of his mother. And so um, he was just, you know, talking to the crowd, telling them about the mixtape. And me in my manic mind was like, let the boy, let the boy play a song. You know, just just trying to like amp him up, push him just to encourage them to allow him to express and honor his mother. In my head, I thought that was totally appropriate that, you know, I'm about to make him the next big thing. I can be his manager. 
You know, I thought the story was worse than that. So that's a pretty wholesome. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the PG version. What, what I, version? I don't know. I don't really know the details, but I'm glad that you know you had some positive. Like let's, let's, let's get this boy famous. Like, I was loud. I was yelling. I believe you. I was yelling. Even the guy's grandmother was like, "Let let the baby hold the next tape." <laughs> <laughs> you know how how black grandmas are. You know they they be looking out. Um, and so, you know, after that incident, I then kept trying to inch my way towards the stage. And then, like, I got, like, like maybe, like, 10, 15 feet from the actual stage. And some two big, burly security guards was like, uh, stopped me and was like, you have to come with us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh... You're going to have to force me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking real big, real big and bad. Um, and it was like, they, they went to grab for to grab for my arm. And I just sat, dropped down to the floor, sat crisscross <laughs> applesauce. I was like, I'm protesting. You know, I, you know, I know a little bit about Martin Luther King, you know. And so um, I'm saying I'm protesting. Then these are some two big dudes. So they lift my little butt up, <laughs> carry me. And there was like a bunch, a row of cars, uh, big black SUVs and police cars. No, big black SUVs. That's like, that was at the edge of the memorial um, that were, then which the crowd couldn't see behind the cars because they were um, parked diagonally. Mm-hmm. And so they carried me and they took me behind the, those row of, of black SUVs. Mm-hmm. And remember, a place of trauma. And so, at that moment, I realized that there, no one could see me. Right. And I went into panic mode because I'm like, these police officers can do anything they want to me, and and they will, and no one will see, no one will be able to record it. Mm-hmm. And so, I just like I tried to get away from them, and so like. I pushed off of one. I, I kicked one in the in the chest so I can get Let's down. So, um, but eventually there was like four, four, six dudes, and they eventually like lifted me up, slammed me on the ground. Dang. One officer had their their like their knee on my back, close to my neck. The other one had in my lower back. They were like. Keep moving, keep moving. We're gonna tase you, and uh, I heard tase me, and I was like, "Oh, all right, um, I'm gonna, I can, I can chill out." <laughs> but you know what's crazy is like I was so scared, I literally peed on myself, bro. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that speaks to just the level of fear and the 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 perceived trauma of being a black man being arrested, just being slammed down on the ground like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's better interventions that could have been done. I, I believe so. There, a de-escalation. Um, you know, I'm grateful that I wasn't shot. Um, mm-hmm. But then from there, uh, I was arrested. And in my own, in my mind, I was afraid. I was so very afraid. I was so afraid that when they were taking me to, like, the police station... I, they took me a bunch of different places because I think they realized that I was probably having a, a mental episode. And so um, the first place they took me 
was like behind the station. Um, never got fully out the car. I don't know if they had to switch cars, whatever, but it was really sus to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like in this car, in the police car in the back, just yelling, screaming, singing a gospel songs, Negro spirituals. Like I'm talking about yelling mm-hmm. um, just so I could like ease my mind, try to calm myself down. Um, then that's when they took me to a police station. And when they locked me in the jail, and like in the, you know, in the cell, I was so afraid and so uncomfortable and so just like mentally, mentally in pieces as of everything that happened. When they locked that, closed the cell on me, I flipped out. I started different ways to try to kill myself mm. while I was there. I was trying to cut my wrist on the bedpost. I, I even drunk like toilet water. Mm. Then that's what I called the police officer. And I said I was going to put my head through the bars and said I'll break my neck. Um, then that's when they like slammed it open. Um, and then that's when they handcuffed my hands and my feet. And they just had me sitting there on the, on the police station floor. Um, yeah, and the next thing they tried to take me to, like, I guess this, this CPAP, uh, which is this, like, mental health facility. Um, in the mental health facility, I was talking wild. They wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't admit me when that's I needed to be someplace safe in the hospital somewhere. Um, but then that's when they drugged me, and I was going in and out of sleep um, the entire time. And uh, throughout the experience, like, if... If you were to see my hands and my wrists and my ankles, you can see the indents and the scars of of the handcuffs on my wrists. Like I, I still have the scars to this day, and so yeah, that that's that's what happened, and and it was probably one of the most traumatizing experiences of my life. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, what was what was your take on that situation? I mean, it was it was scary. I mean and, and I think I think so talking about, you know, education awareness, like I didn't fully understand, you know, your bipolar symptoms and what that could mean or what that could look like. So I'm like, Noah's really tripping out. Like, how did he go to a memorial service, start yelling, think that he could get close to the stage where, you know, the the mayor is <laughs> the mayor of DC and interact with the security guard and the police and think it was just going to be sweet. Like what the heck is going on with Noah? You know? And I, and like I said, so understood when I understood like compassion is there. I'm like, okay, that's what's going on. With Noah, right. I'm like, Noah is not crazy. Noah is he's going through something. He's, he so, needs help. Right. But, uh, yeah. And awareness, 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 like, those police officers dealing with you, right? Like, if they recognize that something, you know, this was a mental health issue and not just some unruly, combative person at this memorial service, like, I would hope that they would have handled you with more care. Even in not knowing what was going on with you, they could have handled you with more care. You know what I'm saying? But hopefully with that kind of knowledge, training, awareness, like, even, like, they should be trained, honestly, on... You know, mental health yeah, issues. We, we, but, trust me, that's that's gonna be another episode. Right. But uh, uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> the focus of this of 
the focus of this podcast is not to well systems <laughs> <laughs> systems you know, well you can't help sharing the story of mental illness and people who who interact with those with the mental illness and not bring up the injustices that has happened within these systems within this country and so I'm sure we will touch on police brutality we will touch on uh, police conduct but um, yeah I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but I just wanted to nah you good you good but yeah but it's it's, uh, it's a trip um, but yeah so you know more and more it was like okay my bro does have a condition and there are ways that we can prevent things like this from happening again And but just you know, in and out of the hospital, being inside, you know, police station, like it's just sometimes it just can be very unnecessary. And there are other consequences that happen, right? Like you had a bill after that, right? You had to pay for oh, it yeah, being hospitalized. It. Like that's that's a tough life situation. Then how often did you have to work, you know, to try to pay get rid off. of the debt, right? Yeah. It's like it's. Still paying. So right. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> nah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I I am, you know, I, I feel very fortunate because mm-hmm. I know there exists uh, black men, black women, uh, and people of color who, while going through a mental health crisis, they have been treated so unfairly. Um, they have been killed at times. They have been uh, treated like the worst scum on earth, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, and so um, I am fortunate for the community that I've had. I'm fortunate for the, um, I'm fortunate for some of the hospitals I've been in, um, but I'm, I'm definitely the most grateful for my community, for mm-hmm. Austin for my mother, my brother, um, some people here at Elon. Um, and so with that, um, Wait, uh, before you go, but on, on that community, cause I think that's where we kind of started this mm-hmm. episode. And I think was the <laughs> topic that we we're supposed to really be touching on, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, and then you have your close community, right? Your mom, your brother, your family, you know, your friends, me, your your school community. And as you just keep going, that community opens up more and more, right? Being at home, the D- people in D.C., right? Mm-hmm. And then having to interfere with, you know, cor- I mean, interact with uh, officers and, you know, healthcare professionals like the hospital system becomes your community at that point, right? The police system becomes your community, right? Because we are not isolated right we all mm-hmm. interact in we're this not world. exactly right and so everything that you do has does have an effect on every other person here right and so just in general communities could be more aware and you know do better at uh, assisting people who have mental illnesses and then on a smaller scale like our communities should be more aware and you know have practical tools to be able to apply um, so yes friends are community DC is being a community North Carolina, Elon ends up being your community. Like it's, we all have a role to play uh, in our journey on, you know, understanding mental health. Mm-hmm. And and the part of community, and I think I have to stress the importance of of sharing your story and walking in your truth. Whether your truth, your truth doesn't have to be like 
I have a mental illness and that's it. Mm-hmm. It can be, um, I am an athlete. I am a brother. I am a friend who just so happens to also have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so and I think the more you share your story, the more you recognize that your mental illness is not your only identity, but is a significant one that requires your attention and your care and your patience and your grace. Um, you attract other people who see that as a strength and who want to invest and help you because mm-hmm. they recognize the strength and the power you possess by taking such ownership of your own story and narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I can attest to that. Um, and, and, and you do, a, you go a long way with decreasing stigma by also sharing 100%. your story. And I hope that's something that through this uh, podcast, I am, I am able to do. We need conversations. Um, on a very micro scale, like yesterday we met somebody um, who was saying that he's from Chicago. And I was like, in Chicago really? Or like outside of Chicago? And he ended up naming where he was from. He's like, but I never usually say that because people don't know where that is. And I said, people will never know where that is if you continue to just say Chicago, right? Like, mm. say where you're from and this is how you, you know, increase that awareness. Like, if you don't speak on it, Nobody's gonna know. No one will know. So. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I love that analogy. Um, but uh, so we do have to wrap up, bro. All right. Um, it is. Uh, we are in North Carolina, and it's uh, North Carolina A and T's homecoming, Jiho. Yes. So we do want to have some fun in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, answer it as short as you can. <laughs> but I understand that if you want to go a little extra long, that's okay too. <laughs> um, so, first question is if you can take one thing with you when you die, what would it be? If I could take one thing with take, me take when one I thing die. With you. Wow. Happiness. <laughs> Let me be happy forever. Happy forever, for eternity. For eternity. Okay, I like it. I like no. it. Um, second question: um, What do you want your legacy to be? <sighs> One of peace, care, and acknowledgement. One of peace, care, and acknowledgement. Like I recognize people, right, and mm-hmm. that I. I care about you generally and depending on the relationship intimately, you know. Okay. We we are here to preserve peace and good nature and will. Like, I don't want enemies and war. So. Mm, amen. Amen. And last question, uh what are you grateful for? I am grateful um to be alive. <laughs> Every day is the opportunity to to be grateful, to be happy, to smile, to you know recognize the ways in which I'm blessed. Um, I'm blessed with 24 years of age. I'm blessed with a car to be able to come to Elon to visit Noah. I'm blessed with a friend like Noah, right? And so when I really think about it, I'm blessed in many ways and grateful for a lot of things. Man, thank you. I love you, bro. Thank you for joining. Um, And until next time, my beautiful people, and uh, have a great day. Peace out. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
If you are interested in learning how to identify, understand, and respond to someone going through a mental health crisis, head over to mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Mental Health First Aid is a skills-based training course that teaches participants about mental health and substance use issues and how to respond to them. If this interests you, hop over to their website, mentalhealthfirstaid.org, and get trained today. Also, be sure to follow the podcast Instagram at TLC underscore zone podcast and subscribe to the YouTube channel for weekly motivation, affirmation, and laughs. Thank you.